Well, look, we are in a couple weeks in here of a series that we are calling Our House. And uh, we're talking about Our House. And the reason that we are calling it Our House is simply this, because we're kind of taking a look at who we are, you know. And now Our House, that's going to be your house. Who are, who are you? Who, what's the, the rules of your house. Everybody's house has a little bit of different rules, right? But who are we also as a house of God? Who are we as a body? Who are we called to be? And so who are we supposed to be as a church? You know, we're, we've been kind of taking a look at all these things. And, you know, we've shared with you now for several weeks that we at Discover Church have a mission, right? And our mission is for everyone to know God, to find freedom, to discover their purpose, and to make a difference. And so today, though, I wanted to spend a, a few moments with you talking about finding freedom. Finding freedom. Now, finding freedom, you may be saying, well, Pastor Curtis, how do we do that? Anybody ever thought about that? Like, because, you know, if I talk about no God, you're like, okay, I kind of get that. I need to know God, right? Then find freedom, discover your purpose. You're like, yeah, I really want to discover my purpose, and I really want to make a difference. But, Pastor Curtis, the find freedom one is the one that I'm a little bit fuzzy on. Like, how do we, quote, unquote, find freedom? Now, I, I want to take just a second here to let you know that the find freedom that I'm talking about when I'm trying to describe this to you, this is not... Uh, what we're, uh, what I would describe as is in the Constitution of the United States, okay? That's not what I'm talking about. Yeah, I, I, I'm not talking about your personal independence. And the problem is, is there's a lot of Christians, there's a lot of churches, there's a lot of pastors that try to mix these two things, personal independence with freedom through Christ. And, and I hope today I'm going to be able to kind of shed a little bit of light on that for you. But th that's really not what I'm talking about. And in fact, Jesus you know, when Jesus was alive, there was a lot of people, his disciples, and a lot of others around him that were so confused. Because, see, they all knew the Old Testament. They all knew that a Messiah was coming, right? A Redeemer. But in their mind, in their thought, they were like, okay, well, the Redeemer is coming to redeem us as a, as a nation, right? He's going to lift us out. Because if you don't know this, when Jesus was born, the place he lived, in, which is now Israel, right? was actually under Roman occupation, okay? So there was an occupying force in the land. And so people around, they were looking to Jesus saying, okay, listen, Jesus, if you're coming, you're coming to kick the Romans out, right? Like, you're just going to, like, kick somebody in the face, like, bust some teeth. Like, come on, like, let's go, you know what I mean? Like, I'll get the swords and the spears, and let's rally some horses, and we are going to go. Let's go at it. And Jesus says, no, nah, I... I don't think that you're getting this. And look, and the crazy thing is, they still thought this about Jesus, his disciples did, even after he died on the cross, and he was, and when he came back again, right, he spent 40 days with them, and even after he came back, the, the, the disciples are sitting there going, well, Jesus, now's the time, right? Now is when you're going to free us from the Roman occupation. Like, now's the time. And in fact, in Acts chapter 1, verse 6, they gathered around him, and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to, to, of Israel here? Are you going to free us? And Jesus says, guys, you still don't get it. I'm not talking about that kind of freedom here. He says, if you actually take a second to look over here, he, he says, that, that's not the freedom that Christ is offering. And today, I want to try to point out to you a little bit about what exactly... Christ is offering the freedom-wise, and this is even what Jesus says. Jesus says in John 8, 36, that guess what? If the Son sets you free, then what? 
you are free indeed. That's right. You guys know that, right? If the Son sets you free, then you are free indeed. But in, in just a second, we're going to get into another passage of Scripture, and you're going to see that there doesn't feel like there's a lot of freedom. In fact, it feels like the total opposite of freedom. But in fact, freedom is still there. It's still in this place. So the question I have then that we're all going to ask, right, is then how do, how do we see this kind of freedom? What kind of, how do we get there? And what kind of freedom is it? I want to tell you today it's the freedom that's offered for, through Christ is through freedom from your past, from the sin and mistakes that we've made in the past. Some of you, you even need freedom from your future. And you're like, how do I need freedom from my future? Because in your mind, you've already laid out all the things that the future is going to hold. And you're worried to death about how in the world you're ever going to get there. Christ says, I have freedom for you. So really for us is this, is we gain freedom by growing our faith. This is the key avenue, the key lane for us. In order to gain freedom, we're actually going to do that through growing our faith. And so today, we're going to take a, a, a little bit of a look at this. Because how many of you would agree, can the past hold you back? Yeah? Anybody had the past hold you back? You ever had a moment or a situation where your past has come and tried to rock your world a little bit? And like uh, just kind of kept you from going where you thought you were supposed to go? How about this? Anybody, anybody willing to be bold enough? Anybody have a messed up past? Anybody got a messed up past? Yeah, I was going to say. I know, I know we got some messed up past. I got some messed up past. What about this one? Here's a good one. I know you guys are going to love this one. Ever come across a mean Christian? You ever come across those mean Christians? Those Christians be like, are you sure you got Jesus? I don't think you do because I don't feel that you got much love happening in your life right now. But here is what I want to I kind of show you, is that when we come across this, and, and some of you, you might not realize this, but you've been the mean Christian before. And the fact of the matter is, is because we're not growing enough to experience the freedom that Christ is offering. And so for us, we have to kind of we have to figure that out, you know. So, so when we talk about this, you guys know Hebrews 11.1. 1. This is one, it's quoted a lot by a lot of people, right? It's that, it says that the faith is the confidence in what you hope for, but the assurance of what you don't see. In other words, faith is that, you know, you waking up in the morning and taking that breath and just having the confidence that there's oxygen in the room, right? Like you can't see it, you don't know it, but it's there. You know, you have the confidence so this morning, you had the confidence to get in your car, put the key in the ignition, turn it, and you, you had faith that that thing was going to start up. Now, it might have been touch and go for some of you, but it's okay. You made it, right? You know, you were here. But here's the question I want to ask, and I have a little scale that I think we'll put up here for you. Um, I think, yep, there we go. If you were to grade yourself today, okay, if you were going to try to put yourself on some sort of sliding scale, where would you feel like you would land? Do you feel like you're all the way over here with number one where you'd be like, oh, I, I, you know, I got a little bit of faith, you know, like, you know, I, I kind of, I believe in God, you know, but uh, you somewhere maybe in the middle where you, you kind of are living by faith, but really kind of not, and you're kind of trusting in yourself here, or are you here and number 10, and, and I want to let you know that if I was going to rate myself on the scale, I'm not a 10, okay? I wish I was a 10, but I'm not a 10 because the 10 people are the people that say, when I wake up, God, I have no earthly idea what's going to happen today, 
but I know that you are in it, and you're going to work everything for good. And so I'm not going to get upset, and I'm not going to fret, and I'm not going to worry, and I'm not going to stress, and I'm not going to freak out because, God, you got it, you know. And so uh, you may think that you're a 10, but if you didn't answer, like if you can't answer that fully right there, then you're not a 10, okay. And it's okay because if you're not a 10, I, I would venture to say that most of us aren't 10s. You know, we, we want to be here, but we're not here yet. Jesus has such incredible things to say about faith, that, and he ties them with freedom because here's what he says in Matthew 17, verse 20. He says, truly, I tell you that, guess what? If you have the faith as small as a mustard seed. Now, if you don't know how small the mustard seed is, it is tiny. Like, it is little, all right? Like, it is itty-bitty, you know what I mean? Itty bitty. And so if you have this, he says, you got this itty bitty, then you can say to this mountain, mountain move. And guess what? It's actually going to move because nothing is impossible. And some of you, you have become frustrated and you're not experiencing the freedom that you have through Christ because your faith isn't growing because you've tried to move mountains in the past and they haven't moved. And the fact of the matter is, is here's the thing. Sometimes, I, if, you know, if you were to ask me, Pastor Curtis, can God literally move a mountain? He certainly can. But the fact of the matter is, is most of the time, I think, I think God is wanting to move some mountains in your life. The problem is, is you're in the way. He wants to move some mountains out of you and through you. He wants you to have that small amount of faith to, so that, that that past that you've experienced can get out of the way. But you're standing there and your faith isn't growing enough for him to do it. So what are some things that keep us, right? What are some things that keep our faith from growing, faith inhibitors, as you would call them, right? What are some things that kind of keep us from growing? I, I think one of them is self-reliance. We all have struggled with self-reliance, thinking that you can do it. I was a self-made man or a self-made woman, me, myself, and I. We did it. It was all us, and it was all because I'm smart, and I, 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 I work real hard. And, 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 and so self-reliance, there's not a lot of room there for God because not a lot of faith necessary. How about technology? Technology can sometimes inhibit faith because it actually gets in the way of our faith growth. Wealth. Wealth is a real big one. And now I'm not talking like the kind of wealth where you're like, uh, you, you're, uh, what's, uh, Amy, what, what's the duck from, from DuckTales or whatever that he swam in the pool of gold money? You know what I mean? Like some of us think that the, what, what is it? Does anybody know? McScrooge, yeah, there, that guy. Some of us, when we think of wealth, we think we got to have enough wealth to swim in a giant pile of gold money, and that means wealth, right? No, 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 no. Wealth is just simply us thinking that we can take care of ourselves by our own means. This qualifies as most Americans, by the way. We think that we could pretty much have it all together because we have enough to go to the grocery store and buy food for tomorrow. So wealth can be. How about being familiar, familiarity? And habitual sins, these are things, right? And now habitual sins is another one of those ones where you're sitting there going, wait a second, Pastor Curtis, are you talking about, because I'm, a, 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 you know, like you're talking about those people that are like, you know, like addicted to stuff and like, you know, it's bad, right? No, no, no. Habitual sin can be anything. From an addiction, you can be addicted to drugs or an alcohol, just the same as you could be addicted to your credit card and your shopping spree. You can be addicted to your, how about you, you can be addicted to your food and, and experience just as much habitual sin in that as you are. Uh, the fact that you, for some reason, 
even when people ask you a simple explanation for something, you just can't tell the truth. Like there's habitual things that happen in our lives, and all of these things are faith inhibitors. They keep our faith from actually from growing. How about this? Have you ever gotten stuck in a situation that you didn't choose? Anybody ever had that where you got stuck in a spot you didn't choose? We actually had somebody that was serving today that talked about how they got stuck yesterday in a situation they didn't choose. They lost their key, couldn't get home. They didn't lose their key, but they, they got stuck. And, and the fact of the matter is, it is, is, here's the thing. When you get stuck in situations that you didn't choose, you know, your response to those situations is very often going to tell you exactly how free you are. How did you respond? Because how you respond is going to really determine how much freedom you actually have in your life. And so today, I want to invite you, if you've got your Bibles or your version Bible apps, I want to invite you to open them up to the New Testament. We're going to be looking in the book of Philippians today. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 1. And today, we're going to be taking a, a look at somebody who in the New Testament has just got an incredible story. And that is the Apostle Paul. And if we look in Philippians 1 with the Apostle Paul, we find a man who actually has freedom through Christ, but the situation does not seem it. Because in Philippians chapter 1, starting at verse 12, here's, here's what we find. We, we find him writing this letter while he's in jail. And he's writing to the believers. And he says, now, I in verse 12, he says, now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that, it, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Paul, this doesn't make any sense, man. You're in jail. What are you talking about? And he goes on. He says, but as a result that it has become clear through the whole palace guard and to everyone else that, guess what? I am actually in chains for Christ. And in verse 14, he says, and because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. In verse 15, he says, and it is true that some preach Christ out of envy or rivalry. He says, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former, though, they preach Christ out of selfish ambition not sincerely. See, they want to stir up trouble for me because guess what? I'm here in these chains. And in verse 18, he says, but what does it matter? The important thing is, is that in every way, whether false motives are true, that guess what? Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Would you say with me this morning, say this, say, I'm not a hostage. Isn't it amazing how many times we get put into situations, sometimes by our own doing and sometimes by the doing of other people, and, and I don't know if you guys are holier than me, and if you are, that's cool, but how many times do you get put in a spot, and what is the immediate prayer request that we have to God? Lord, I pray that you would deliver these people before I come unglued. Lord, I pray that you would show this person that they are clearly in the wrong and I am in the right. 
Lord, will you, will you, will you come intervene in this situation? And isn't it amazing how much time we actually spend asking God to change the situation and never asking him to change us? Isn't that amazing? I do this too. So listen, I, I, this, is, uh, this is 100% on me. We, we actually, we pray more about the situation we're in than we do pray for God to get, to, to change us through it. And, and it's amazing because we, we have Paul who is in chains here. And he says, no, you guys don't understand. I, I know that it, this is, you know, it looks bad. But I am here for a purpose. He actually writes to them. That it's become clear through the whole palace garden to everyone that, guess what? I am in chains for Christ. Paul realizes something. And he realizes something about freedom through Christ. That growing your faith is about more than what you feel in the moment. Uh, some of you, you didn't get that. It's, I, I said growing your faith is about more than what you feel in the moment. Now, if you were to write this statement down, this was worth the price of admission today uh, just for you to come in because I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes I get in my feelings. And when I get in my feelings, I feel like taking Jesus, and I, I like to call him pocket Jesus, where you want to fold him down and you want to put him in your back pocket for a second, right? And you want to have Jesus, but Jesus, I need you. This isn't going to be good for you. You don't need to see this right now. Like I need to put you back here because you get in your feelings. And when we get in our feelings and this happens, the, the, the fact of the matter is, is this is, we got to realize that our faith is not growing at this time. In fact, I, I heard a story once. Uh, uh, about a woman, and may, maybe you guys, you ever remember, TJ, I know you would remember, I, I, if I had you on the keyboard, you, you'd be able to roll this off for me. You remember, I've got a feeling everything's going to be all right. I've got a feeling everything's going to be all right. That's, that's the keys. Dun, dun, dun. I've got a feeling everything's going to be all right. Be all right. Be all right. Be all right. Right? You remember that? And, 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 and this woman, she's, she's going through, she's singing this song. The only problem is, though, is she's poor. She doesn't have any money for food, and she's just, she doesn't know what to do. And she's just going around singing, everything's going to be all right. It's going to be okay. And the funny thing is, though, she had a neighbor, and the neighbor was an atheist, so he obviously wanted to kind of, like, really show her that God was really not in control of the situation at all. And the fact that, you know, he, but he, he also had sympathy and compassion for her. So he decides to go to the grocery store and he, he picks her up some food and he, he puts them on her doorstep. You know, he rings the door and he, after that he goes and he hides around the corner and, 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 and he's watching and he's watching and he's waiting to see what, what happens. He wants to know her reaction, what's going to happen when she gets out here. So she comes out, you know, and, and she opens the door and all of a sudden she's just like, God did it. God did it. And she just keeps going on. God did it. I, can't, God, I cannot believe you, but God did it. Meanwhile, around the corner, this guy who does not believe anything at all about God is so mad and he's so frustrated. Be like, why is she thinking God had nothing to do with this? And so he walks around the corner and he tells her, she, he says, who do, you think, who do you think brought you these groceries? She says, God did it. He said, God didn't do this to you. She says, God did it. She says, no, I bought you these groceries. Look, here's the receipt for the groceries. 
she says, it's okay. God did it. He got the devil to pay for it. But here's the fact of the matter. Here's the fact of the matter. The feelings and the situations that she was in did not dictate the fact that she had little or lack of faith here. She actually was willing to stand on the faith that she had through her, through her God to realize that, guess what? God's going to do it because everything is going to be all right. It's all going to work there. And, and, and I know that, you know, many of us, you probably have moments in your past where you're saying, you know, if I hadn't done that, if I hadn't dated that person, if I hadn't married her, if I hadn't married him, if I didn't take that job, if I didn't go to that school, if I didn't, you know, and, and, and we want to sit here and work through all the things that we wish we, we hadn't done and all the pain and, and the hurt that, that we've gone through in life to get us through there. But God, sometimes he's looking at you saying, no, 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 I want to free you from that. And I need you to understand there's actually a purpose and a reason to the story that you've been through. Because although you, uh, you might not have looked to me for the, for the directions in your life the whole way through there, that guess what? There's freedom there. There's freedom to experience there. Paul's in prison. And I love it because Paul is in prison, but yet he is free. Paul is in prison, and he is just as free. He says, guess what? I am in chains for Christ, but guess what? These guards are chained to me. They're the ones that got to deal with me all the time. They got to listen to me singing and praising and going through. He says, you, you don't understand. There's, there's a purpose to the pain that I'm going through. There's a purpose for it. But we get so busy asking God to get us out of stuff that we, we never actually ask him to change us and to get into what we're actually into. So what do we do? Many of you have been here. We chase relationships. We chase money. We ch ch we, and then, you know, we, we'll, we'll chase churches. We'll be in a church for a little bit, and then everything's going to be okay. And then all of a sudden something happens, and we, we don't like it, and we're gonna, we're, we change. And so we just keep changing and rotating in our lives, never actually experiencing the freedom that God has called us to live in. Paul says in verse 16, Knowing that, guess what? I, I am put here. I am put here for the defense of the gospel. I am here. And I don't know about you, but I, I don't want to be a hostage to my past. I don't want to be a hostage to my emotions. I don't want to be a hostage thinking that at any, at any moment on that faith scale, I'm going to come from maybe what I was at a 7 and all the way slide back down to a 1 because of the situation arises. Because guess what? I haven't experienced freedom through Christ. But if you've got your Bible or if you've got your version Bible app, I want you to highlight, underline, double click, double tap, whatever you got to do, this verse right here. Verse 18, because verse 18, here's what Paul says, and, and some of you need to say this, but what does it matter? But what does it matter? The important thing is, is in that every way, whether for false motives or true, guess what, that Christ is preached because of this, I rejoice. He actually goes on to continue, I will rejoice. I rejoice. I'm excited. 
What does it matter? W-I-M. What does it matter? And here is what, here's what the interesting thing is about what does it matter. Is that when we recognize the what does it matter moments in your life, you know what's going to happen to you? That's a stress melting phrase right there. Worry just rolls off you. Because when you realize what does it matter, that you have freedom through it no matter what, then guess what? Some freedom actually enters into your life. Freedom comes, and I want to give you a, a, a list. Of, this is just some stuff I come up with. This is not a total list by any stretch of the imagination. But here's some stuff I come out with. Is that freedom comes when we realize that God has the night watch. Some of you, you have trouble sleeping because you don't know what's going to happen the next day or the day after that. You're worried. Guess what? God has the night watch. What does it matter? What about this? Freedom comes when we have faith and realize that even when God doesn't do what we think he should do. That's when faith happens. What about this? Faith comes when we realize that our past is just part of our faith journey. You can't change it. So why are you going to sit here and sweat it? What does it matter? I love it in 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9. It says, but he said to me that, guess what? My grace is sufficient for you. Because guess what? My power is made perfect in weakness. The weakness that you feel like is the thing that keeps you from following God or getting to the next level is exactly the same thing that God is looking at you saying, no, 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 you don't understand. That's where I come in. That's where you're in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. I'm going to po boast about it because guess what? That's where Christ is going to increase. Freedom comes when we realize that guess what? The goal isn't just our own personal self-gratification, but freedom comes when we realize that it's about servanthood. It's about servanthood. When we have these mindsets, all of a sudden a shift starts to happen in our minds and in our thought process and how we, how we see the world around us. And we realize that whether the motives are true, whether they're false, whether it's good or bad, the important thing is, is that Christ is preached. And because of that, we can rejoice. We can continue to rejoice. TJ, would you come up here on the keys for me? We're going to get ready to close. Paul says that guess what? My feet are in chains right now, but my mind is set free. And Jesus actually said, if you think that you want to be great, listen, Paul was a great leader. Paul was like legitly a great leader, did incredible things. But he recognized that if you want to be great, we have to serve. Listen, next week we actually are celebrating Discover Church turning four, and, and I won't lie, uh, I, ha I always have mixed emotions because it's one of those ones where I'm saying, man, how could it have possibly have been four years, but at the same time, I feel like we've been doing it for forever. And, and, and so 
you know, I wish, I wish so badly that I could have a video roll or a book that I could hold up here and show for you and, and we could flip through and see all the lives changed that have happened in four years. It's, and the, the amazing part is, is there's so many I know, but there's also so many I don't know. There's so many things because we've planted in four years, we've been planting seeds the entire stretch of the way. Now, some of you, some of you have been here since the very beginning, and man, you guys are awesome. I love, like, seriously, we have some people that are part of our DC family that I'm like, you might not be blood, but you, you, you're blood. I mean, like, we've gone through life so much together that that's where we are. Some of you, you may be relatively new. And to realize that for us here, know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. These aren't just words we say. This is the mission and goal, the, the purpose, the driving point that we had. And I really felt like God led me to a scripture this past week. And it's one that you know, and this is actually one that I love because this is one where Jesus actually quotes scripture from the Old Testament. He quotes scripture from Isaiah. And in Luke 4, this is where you actually see Jesus quotes this, but he actually is quoting Isaiah 61. And he says that, guess what? The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I just want to say that I personally am so absolutely thankful that you guys are here today. I'm so thankful for, the, for those that are joining online. And we have more family that isn't here right now. But church, I want to let you know we're not done. We're not done with our journey. You're not done. And together... As we work together, as we not only ourselves try to live out these four things of know God, find freedom, discover our purpose and make a difference, but as we help to show other people that we're actually, we're, we're helping to fulfill the prophecy that Jesus quotes in Isaiah 61 because we get to proclaim that good news. We get to proclaim freedom for people. We get to help people that were once blind be able to see a lot clearer and see what God wants to do in their lives. And so next week, I, I, I'm going to talk even more. We're going to celebrate some incredible things that's happened over the past year here at Discover Church. We're gonna, I'm going to share with you next week about more of what, what the future looks like. It's going to be awesome. You, I'm telling you, you don't want to miss it. But I am so honored to share with you one of the things that we're going to be doing here in this is something that we've, we've recently started within the past couple years, and that is our heart for the house, uh, our heart for the house one-time offering. And so our heart for the house one-time offering, hopefully you guys, if you've been around here for a while, you know that I, I don't really, we don't really talk a lot about money. And now we don't really talk a lot about money because uh, we're afraid to or ashamed to or any of that. The fact of the matter is, is we, I, I'm perfectly aware there's a lot of people that get turned off uh, by the church asking for money. I totally get that. What I'd rather share with you is when we talk about, 
your tithes and your offerings and what happens is to share with you the incredible stories of life change that it's afforded. The incredible ways through your generosity, you've actually changed the lives of other people in real, tangible ways. You have actually have people in our congregation here. This isn't some far off like we're giving to some other organization. We have people in our congregation that have celebrated freedom through serious addiction. We've seen marriages restored. We've seen relationships just that, that were, were in really bad spots just, just go to a whole nother level. We've seen teenagers experience salvation. We've seen kids experience salvation. We've seen adults. We've seen so many incredible things. And all of this happens because you are a generous people. We, as far as the leadership team of the church with myself and the board, we, we want to make sure that the money that comes in from week to week, that we're actually putting it into serious ministry purposes. We're actually, we're making sure. That, that's why when we have serve day and we talk about it for like three weeks because it was off the chain and incredible, like you don't understand, we spent a lot of money on serve day pouring back in our community. But you know why? You know why we're able to do that? Because we have incredible people that give. And so we have uh, once a year, and we started this uh, the year before while we were still at the high school, we were still at the high school, and we realized that God was going to call us to go to a permanent location that you're sitting in right now. And that when we had to get there, we knew that how many of you know it was going to cost a little bit of money? <laughs> and that we decided that, guess what, we're going to take up a once a year a special offering that we're asking for everybody that's part of the church, everybody that's part of Discover Church once a year, and we call that Heart for the House. So on October 10th, we're going to take our special once a year Heart for the House. And, and just so you're aware, Heart for the House is, is not something that we're using to fill some sort of like operational need. Week to week operations, we're good. What we're doing, what the Heart for the House offering is, is it's investing in our future. You're investing in your children, you're investing in your teenagers, you're investing in your grandchildren, and you're investing in people and kids that you've never even met yet. So I just want to pray freely, ask you to, to, to consider that. Ask God to say, hey, listen, if, if I'm going to be part of this body, if I'm going to be part of this church, how can I be a part?